0: So, our reading today is taken from the Gospel of St. Luke's, chapter 4, verse 1 to 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during these days. And when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, one does not live by bread alone. Then the devil him up and showed him in a all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God, and serve only Him.
1: Then the devil
0: took him to Jerusalem, and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to protect you. and." On their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks, Peter be God. Beautiful. So now we we begin our Lent series, as I mentioned. Uh, unfortunately, Father Steve could not be with us tonight, as he's um, just last night. He uh, got a positive rat test, so he's uh, has got COVID, and so he's staying home the next seven days. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, let's, let's keep him. And, and Dan Const, also in our um, church, uh, got a yeah positive COVID test uh, yesterday as well, so let's keep them in in your prayers this week uh, for them and their families at home for seven days, which may be a good thing, maybe not. <laughs> They've both got kids, so uh, that'll be fun, uh, staying home, locked up inside. Uh, but yeah, so tonight we, we start our Lent series. It's great to have Mark and Addie back from their trip to America. Good to see them, beautiful. Um, yeah, back just back in time for the borders to open got reduced seven days. You have to stay the full seven days. That's good. Um, it's good to have you guys back. But yeah, uh, we're going to be going through this this story, this uh, amazing kind of moment here, in the uh, temptation uh, of of Jesus, his temptation. And um, over this length period, we're going to be talking about suffering and talking about what suffering means and looks like in our world around us. Um, yeah. and thought it'd be a great opportunity actually to address this um, as we kind of lean into Lent and lean into what Jesus did for us at Easter. Uh, And with so much uh, suffering and so much going on in our world around us, um, it's important to be aware of suffering and, and what we think and believe of it when we go through hardship. And so, uh, yeah, I believe there is hope in suffering. And so, there is some little booklets for you, um, uh, also with your other booklets, for you to take home. These are kind of daily devotions, um, uh, daily prayers, and some scriptures that we can be reading and thinking about uh, this week uh, to go through. Yeah, you you want something to go through? They're they're from the, uh, the good old Common Book of Prayer uh as well as the lectionary so we're just kind of grabbing hold of some scriptures and let's just be praying and um seeking god uh through this time of lent as well as if you're able to uh have moments of fast then let's let's kind of lean into that and actually really connect with god in this time now in the late uh 19th century in america uh the um in the heart of kind of the African American people, uh, there's a new genre of music that rose. It's called blues music. Blues music came um, in around the yeah late 19th century um, in America from the African people who uh, would be playing all this music. They'd be um, kind of put into places where they would be playing kind of classical music, and put into places where they would uh, be playing all this happy music, and it would all end in this nice, beautiful notes all returning in the major chords and ending on this beautiful high notes. I felt this happy moments, moments where they would come home in the music, as as, you know, so it seems. If if you understand music, there's this this feeling of coming home in music that actually you get this sense of what you're doing. Uh, And so... Uh, the African-American people would be playing this music and they're feeling this distaste, this disdain about the fact that they didn't feel at home. They were playing this music and feeling like they they couldn't relate to what is actually going on. And so in the midst of them playing, they would would change the notes ever so slightly. They would would add these, these minors and different chords within their structure and just add a little note in it that made it feel like, yes, this fits, but... It doesn't quite fit. It doesn't quite feel like home. And so they were producing this music that actually had this unease about it in a way. It still felt right. It's like, yeah, it's nice, but it's not quite home. And so this beautiful genre of of blues and then out of blues comes the gospel music and jazz music and uh, this amazing other worlds of uh, music. Uh, formed from this time and this dis- disdain of what these American, African-American people were feeling. Uh, they were feeling this, this sense of exile, of they're in a foreign land, they're experiencing a suffering and a grief and a loss, uh, and they didn't know what to do with that. They didn't know how to grapple with that, and so it kind of came out in their music. And so often uh, in our kind of context, uh, in our Western world, we can have this feeling like we don't really know what to do with suffering. We don't quite know what to deal, how to deal with this when things aren't going the way that we want to go. It's not part of our happiness plan, this big vision of the Western society that we can reach this happiness kind of you know, amazing place. But uh, it, it often doesn't always lead that way. There's pain and suffering and grief and loss and hardship. We often are going through this difficulty and so we're like what do we do with this how do we actually we're not feeling this homeness how do we deal with suffering and yet we we still kind of come back to yeah i want to come have the feeling of coming home we kind of put off suffering We're like no that doesn't exist that's not a part of my life we can kind of uh look aside to that especially if you've been brought up in a more privileged uh, environment or family we can kind of see suffering as like that's not not a part of what I do and that's not, you know, as a part of my life. Uh, We can avoid it in a way. Um, And so tonight, you know, I want to talk about suffering and talk about that tension in suffering and actually be aware that suffering can be something that God brings through us, that he teaches us through suffering and that, that there is hope within that suffering that we can grab a hold of. And so in the midst of not knowing what to do, we can find hope in who Christ is. There's an amazing um, quote from Timothy Keller. It says, The problem is that contemporary people think life is all about finding happiness. We decide what conditions will make us happy, and then we work to bring those conditions about. To live for happiness means that you are trying to get something out of life. But when suffering comes along, it takes... The conditions for happiness away. And so suffering destroys all your reason to keep living. But to live for meaning means not that you try to get something out of life, but rather that life expects something from us. In other words, you have meaning only when there is something in life more important than your own personal freedom and happiness. Something for which you are glad to sacrifice. Your happiness. There's a sense that, that that we are pursuing this happiness that we long for, and that when that gets taken away, this meaning in our life gets destroyed. And so often, even the thought of suffering. There's these are two opposing kind of views. Often, you know, people. Uh, there, there are some people that experience suffering, and that that gives them reason to not believe in God. You can see that, like, how could you believe? a loving God who would cause all this suffering that that's a narrative that's a story that many would know but then there's the opposite as well there's there's people on the other side of the spectrum that they go through suffering and hardship and that's the very thing that brings them closer to God that's the very thing that actually draws and, and grows strength in people when people go through suffering it can either have these, these two opposing views that this is something that pulls us away from God or it can be something that grows us deeper in knowing God. There's these different kind of opposing views of how we can think of suffering. And so it's yeah, uh, it's important to realise the effect of suffering in our culture, the effect of what it is doing to us as a people, of seeing it kind of gripping people's hearts and actually then addressing going, how does Jesus respond in the midst of suffering? How does Jesus respond in the midst of suffering? And here we have in uh, the scripture here uh, Jesus' um, wilderness moment. Here we have that just prior to this moment in Luke chapter four, um, uh, Jesus in Luke three uh, has his baptism moment, moment where uh, he's uh, baptized by John um, in the river Jordan and then he comes out of the waters and the heavens open and a dove falls like that the Holy Spirit kind of comes upon Jesus and there's a voice from heaven that says, this is my son whom I love, whom I'm well pleased. There's this, uh, uh, this amazing approval moment for Jesus that he's approved and has worth and, and then the Holy Spirit imparts in him and enables him to then be a, actually go in and do what he's about to do. This is an amazing moment for him in his baptism. An amazing moment that's actually in you know all all the gospels that it talks about this incredible, pivotal moment for Jesus as he gets baptized. And then he goes into this moment. It says in verse one, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned to the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit. So the Spirit is the, the, the actual agent of his leading into this wilderness moment. In, in Mark's gospel, uh, it uses the word drives him. The Spirit drives him out into the wilderness. And that drives him out is that, that same reference in Genesis 3, when God uh, drove Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden and into what was sensed is a sense of a wilderness, exile from God. The Spirit was actually leading uh, Jesus, driving him out into a wilderness moment into exile from god in a sense Uh, and then it talks about him being the wilderness for 40 days this is all getting imagery of the israelites in the wilderness um, being tested and failing to trust god and if we think about the actual wilderness moment for the israelites uh, they went through a lot of suffering in those times it wasn't just them wandering around aimlessly they actually went through a lot of suffering as Israelites in uh, yeah, the wilderness. They went with days without food and water. Uh, and in which, at that point, when they went without food and water, they wanted to go back to Egypt. They would rather be slaves in Egypt rather than be without this food and water. They went through wars where they would experience battles, where Moses had to pray in mountains. He had had people holding his arms up to continue to pray. And Joshua would fight the battles underneath. There was wars and battles they experienced, they experienced diseases, they experienced snake attacks, they experienced earthquakes and kind of crazy things as you read the narrative of the Israelites in the wilderness. They experienced much suffering. But a, a, a key thread of that time for the Israelites is that they continued time and time again. To, they failed to trust God. They failed to trust God who provide. They failed to trust that God would would actually provide for them and rescue them and redeem them. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted another way. They built a a golden calf. They wanted to do things their own way. A big narrative of that story is the fact that the Israelites failed to trust God. And so, uh, yeah, we have here in this moment for Jesus wilderness moment, the question is will, what will Jesus do? How will he respond in the midst of hardship and suffering? How will he respond being famished and in a place of despair? How will he respond? Will he trust God? And as we have read, yes he does. Go to Jesus! So. Uh, Let's have a look at kind of some of these things that is written and explore some of what is going on in this moment in temptation. Uh, Firstly, yeah, we have the fact that Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. He's doing this moment, and and in our ID groups this week, and we've been going through a book uh, called Convergence, we talked about this, this idea that um, Jesus uh, didn't use his Godness To actually do the works that he did here on earth. He actually did that empowered by the Holy Spirit. He actually put aside his Godness and uh, was enabled and empowered by the Spirit within him to actually do these amazing things. And this is a moment, the moment here, he's full of the Spirit to actually go into this place of temptation. He is filled by the Spirit, empowered by him to be able to do this. And this is good news for us because this means that we ourselves, we, when we are filled by the Spirit of God, are able to actually overcome. We have the same Spirit in us to be able to overcome and actually see victory in our lives. We see that as we begin. He's full of the Spirit. And as we read through kind of these temptations, you'll see echoes of Eden, Eden narrative of of, uh, the the devil uh, deceiving deceiving Jesus, trying to actually lie to Jesus, just as he did to Eve uh, in that moment in, in the garden. Uh, there's echoes of Eden uh, going on. And we also see that uh, Jesus, his response, was not attempt to argue. He didn't try and argue with the devil, uh, which, you know, arguing in itself uh, can be a temptation that just leads to this attractiveness about the discussion it can kind of continue in this way that actually you you're attracted to this idea and so you just want to argue the point so that maybe you might be continue to be tempted and it's the same there's something attractive if you want to continue to do this arguing nature but Jesus responds by quoting scripture he doesn't respond by trying to argue with the devil argue with these lies But he he responds by quoting scripture. And he quotes uh, each time, each of the three times, he quotes from the book of uh, Deuteronomy. And so if we think about the book of Deuteronomy, uh, this was the the book that that Moses wrote to the the next generation. The people of Israel had gone through the wilderness, had gone through their testing, and they failed. They did wrong. They got it wrong. And so... Uh, There's this new generation, the new generation of Israelites who were going to go into the promised land. Moses was, was writing this book of Deuteronomy to instruct them and teach them to... to this is the new way to live. This is the, the new kind of way that you're going to do this. this, is, this it's all of Moses' wisdom wrapped in this book. And um, yeah, in a sense, you see the picture here, that temptation and wilderness... They could not achieve it. And so Moses is writing this book to, to, to spur the next generation on. And as if Jesus is taking this moment, this moment where it feels like we can't overcome the temptation by ourselves, and he's writing this new story, this new way. The new kingdom of God is about to embark this new way of living. And so, yeah, it's kind of key that he's quoting here, the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, it's some good stuff. It's good stuff. So as we look at the, um, the temptations themselves, we have a look at some of what is going on. The first test, the devil speaks and he says, if you are the son of God, command this stone become a loaf of bread. And uh, this one, yeah, he's fasting, he's hungry, and he wants food. And so the devil comes, come on, just command this stone. To turn to a loaf of bread. This is, this is no sin. There's nothing wrong with this. There's, you know, you're not, it's just, just turned into, into some bread. It's some staple of you as an Israelite. It's a staple for you to just kind of eat. Just provide this bread for you. Uh, this, this first temptation uh, is actually kind of key in our culture. It's this, this feeling of if you feel like you want something good, just grab it. Like if it's not illegal, if it's if it's not hurting anyone, just go for it. If you want something that is good, then just go for it. Don't worry about kind of whatever anybody else is saying, or, or how maybe God wants you to act, or or how kind of you know trusting maybe what how God is leading you. No, just if you want something, go get it. And that's kind of a big statement of our culture: is if you want something, just grab it, go for it. Like whatever it looks, you know, just go for it. Uh, and. But yeah, Jesus' response to that is, but one does not live by bread alone. One does not live by bread alone, and that's in Deuteronomy, the, the scripture kind of finishes, but, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, that's what we live by. Our sustenance, our life is not going after what makes us feel happy, not what makes us just kind of get a buzz. Our sustenance comes from the word of God. Our sustenance comes from actually not trusting in our own abilities and trusting what what we can provide for ourselves. Our sustenance comes by drawing into who God is, drawing into his heart, learning his ways, learning his word, and letting that be the very thing that is our sustenance and our strength. Our bread comes from drawing nearer to God drawing nearer to him. It looks like instead of just making impulse decisions, going out and doing something just because it feels good, you actually question, question some things that are going on in your life. Question whether you should just be kind of living lavishly or, or just spending money whatever way that you want or uh, just kind of always going out on the weekends and doing kind of whatever you want. Like, I think we need to question some things some habits that we can just easily form as we get in our culture, things that not aren't necessarily too bad, but it's, it's good to actually question some of what's going on in our, in our hearts and just keep bringing it before God and go, God, I, I don't just want to live however I want. I want to be guided by your spirit. I want to be filled by who you are, actually kind of questioning some of our motives. The second test, uh, we see here, the devil then led Jesus up a mountain, showing him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their, their glory and this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I will give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will be all yours. This is the, the uh, test of the uh, idol, the, the golden calf moment. Like the Israelites in that golden calf moment. Will you worship a false god? Will you worship something else other than God that will give you that, that pleasure, that, that feeling of success and worth? This is the idol that seems like this, this career that you're going after. Will you worship me and, and put all your devotion into me? The feeling and authority that you will get, the power that you will get if you trust in your career or in, in what you, you desire, the, the lust of your eyes. What you're chasing, whether that's approval or power or success or comfort, what we chase, this idol that is in our hearts, the devil comes to test Jesus. Will you give in to this idol like the Israelites did in the wilderness in building this golden calf? And Jesus responds, no, worship the Lord your God, and serve only him. There's this moment. Jesus is interested, more interested in worshipping and serving God than any earthly authority and power. That when we you can see his moment of actually overcoming this these idolatrous ideas and thoughts that can come into his mind. And so, yeah, we can see the importance of him overcoming that the third test the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple saying to him if you are the son of God throw yourself down from here for it is written he will command his angels concerning you to protect you and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone This, this last one is this a test Within a test, and and as you read the the narrative of the Israelites, they would often be putting God to the test. They would often kind of not quite trust God that that He would provide. They would test Him and see is if He's really up to it. I mean, sure, He only led them out of Egypt and through parted red seas, parted seas to get them into uh, the wilderness. But you know, whatever. Let's just keep trying to prove that He's God. Uh, if I saw them parted seeds, I mean, you, yeah, there's no question. This is the God that is faithful to you. But these Israelites still just didn't quite get it. They still would just be responding, going, you know, God's not providing for this. God's not doing this. You need to prove. They were testing God. And so this is this moment for Jesus is, you know, testing, just test and see what, you, what God can do for you. Test and see uh, and there's this, this sense that, yeah, we can kind of bring this to God, but then just, do I really trust that God's going to do this? It's, it's almost like Dave was talking about with prayer. It's like, can I really trust that God's going to provide and, and answer prayer? And actually answer me. Do I actually trust that he's going to work in my life? There's these questionings that we can have, uh, questions that are of doubt. And, you know, doubt is a part of our journey. I'm not saying we shouldn't have doubt, but it's it's leading that doubt to a moment where you just don't trust God can provide. That's a dangerous place when we are led to a moment where we can don't actually believe God can provide. Uh, it's the same with in our, my marriage with Michaela. If I'm constantly just questioning her love for me, and I'm wanting her to prove her love for me by doing things for me or saying the right things or you know, physical affection, however you like, love. Um, uh, if I'm constantly trying to get her to prove her love for me, then it's, that's a losing battle. There's going to be moments where she's not doing things for me. And that's okay. This is life. And if my, our marriage is based on, the, on how we can just do things for one another and prove our love to each other, uh, it's, it's probably going to end pretty quickly. Um, and unfortunately, you know, probably a lot of marriages end that way because they're not making them feel happy. Not making them feel something. But marriage is not just about that feeling and the good vibes too. It's, it's about your commitment. It's about your commitment. Commitment is not just this dry kind of contractual thing. A commitment is truly what love is. It's will you stand with someone and be faithful with someone despite everything that you go through? Will you be committed to one another in love? That's truly what love is. Not trying to just test and see the worth of your relationship. And so it is with God. When we come to Him, our call is not God, can you just provide for me and do these things for me? kind of, I don't know if you can, just have this dance with God and feel like, yeah, you're not really connecting with Him. As we come to Him, we're not coming with this testing nature, but we just trust Him. We just trust that He's providing for us. We trust that He's leading us in the right direction. We trust that He has things sorted. Even though things may not seem like they're in control, we just trust He is in control so here we trust that God is faithful he is faithful more than us getting what we want and you know that's the dance with prayer even as Dave alluded to God's going to provide an answer and sometimes that doesn't always mean you get what you want and that's what it means to actually come to God not thinking I'm praying this because I'm going to get what I want but we come to him and say, God, I just want you and trust you, that you're going to do, you're going to provide for me what's best for me. Even if that means I have to learn through difficulty and suffering, we actually keep trusting Christ. And so uh, here we have in this moment, this incredible moment here in the wilderness moment for Jesus. Uh, his Jesus has just been baptized. He's been uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is my son, my beloved son. He's about to be. In, uh, the following, the next uh, story is about him being filled with the Spirit to be to actually start his ministry. This moment is that linchpin between I've approved of you. You're worth you are worthy. You are beloved and loved, and him actually doing the ministry, doing the work that he is about. To do. And so it's almost like there's this question here being asked by Luke. This question of saying, is Jesus going to be this rightful king? Is Jesus going to be this right Israelite that suffered through temptation and difficulty and come out actually standing... Victorious. And, and we, we, we say with a definite yes, Jesus is the one that we follow who has overcome the temptation. He is the one that we follow who is the rightful king, is the rightful representation of us as an Israelite, as, as a Christian, us to follow. Jesus is the one that we follow, the one that we can trust. And so as we think about um, temptation, and think about even suffering in the midst. And so, um, yeah, I think the the, the great thing, the, the thing about temp- uh, suffering is that we're going through temptations, we're going through moments. Well, how will we respond in suffering when hardship hits, and you know there's illness in the house, or there's um, you didn't get the job that you wanted, or uh, you know something is happening in your world and you you're rocked. And things aren't going to the plan like you thought. The question is, how will you respond in the midst of hardship? How will you respond in the midst of suffering? And these are the, the responses. That's, that's what the temptation is, because the devil likes to come into those moments and actually speak to us, like from the beginning, the, the lies and the deceits of just trust yourself. You see, you, you need to put control back into your own hands. You can't trust that God's going to see you through. You can't trust that God's got it all in control. This is the lies that the enemy wants to speak in the midst of suffering. And so the question is, how will we respond in those moments? How will we respond to go, God, I need to keep trusting you? Because suffering can be really hard. I'm not up here saying that suffering is just going to go through it easily and things are just going to be breezy. No, suffering is difficult. And we all in life go through hardship. We all in life go through suffering. And so the question is not, will I suffer? Or can I somehow avoid suffering? The question is, how will I respond in the midst of it? I want to be someone who is grounded, founded in trusting Christ, trusting Jesus and His voice, leading me through the difficulty. And so, as we think about this from this moment of temptation and we think about suffering, well, how do we actually do this? How do we keep learning to uh, grow in, in what, our steps in the midst of temptation, in the midst of suffering? How will we respond? Firstly, we recognize the voice of the Father over the voice of the devil. We recognize the voice of the Father over the voice of the devil. And this is central to what it means to be Christian, is to, to actually learn what the, 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 the our whispers of the enemy, the whispers of deceit, and lies, and actually learning what is the voice of God that speaks approval and worth and love. And you know, that sometimes you know, it's not always easy, it's not the straight answer that's always going to be the same kind of thing going on for everybody. We actually need to learn this and actually be attuned and be praying God, help me, help me be aware of what the voice of the Father is and what the whispers of the enemy is. Help me be aware of how I can actually learn your voice, hear it in my life, how I can hear your voice speaking to me over the whispers of the enemy. And the more we, we get into scripture, the more we get into prayer, the more we get into community and get with one another, the more we're learning to actually attune the voice of God into our world and letting that be a thing that is the dominant voice for us. And so that's the first step. We keep recognising the voice of the the Father over the voice of the devil. And secondly, we are empowered by the Spirit with love, both love and strength. Love and strength. We constantly need his empowering to do this. Just like Jesus, in the moment sent down into the wilderness, was full of the Holy Spirit. So we need every day to be full of the Holy Spirit, full of His recognition of love, that you have worth, you have value, you are accepted by God. We need to, to remember that every day because there are moments where we don't feel that. There are moments where we question that and we hear the lies of the enemy. You no, know, you're not worth that. You, you, aren't, you aren't looked upon. Just act as if you, you're not loved and not worth something. We hear these lies, and so we need to be empowered by the Spirit to, to experience His love, His approval. And also, we need to be empowered by the Spirit with strength, with faith, to actually overcome. It. It's that our fruit of the Spirit is self control. There is an empowering of the Spirit that actually enables us to be able to do these things to actually strengthen us time and time. You know, over time, it doesn't happen overnight. But we, as we come to God and go, God, empower me with your spirit to have strength to overcome these temptations. That's where he continues to move in our lives. So can I encourage us to keep recognizing the voice of the Father and keep being empowered by the Spirit with his love and his strength every day. As we go through difficulties and experience temptation, what will our response be? What will our response be? Now, if we think, yeah, lastly about suffering, suffering does not mean, if you're going through suffering, it doesn't mean you're not blessed. It doesn't mean uh, you won't experience victory or redemption at some point. But suffering is, is rather it's, uh, we go through suffering to experience the restoration and hope of Christ. In the midst of our difficulty, we go through that and then we see God's goodness, that He is able to revive, that we can trust in Him, we can hope in Him. And that's what why we go through suffering and, you know, suffering is a big topic. I'm not trying to blanket over. Let's just kind of don't worry about suffering. Yeah, it's a, it's a massive topic, and I've I've part way through um, Timothy Keller's book on walking with God in pain and suffering. It's really I uh, recommend that book. It's uh, yeah incredible read of both theoretical kind of ideas of suffering, but also just this this personal experience of suffering. Um, uh, because yeah, we. A lot of times, trying to figure out both this theoretical view of suffering uh, as well as we're just experiencing it, and so it can be difficult and hard, but um, yeah, I believe God wants to lead us into moments of restoration and hope in the midst of suffering. Uh, Timothy Keller, lastly, he says, When pain and suffering come upon us, we finally see. Not only that we are not in control of our lives, but that we never were. That's a beautiful kind of summary. What we're saying here, that suffering leads us to realise that, yeah, not only we, that we're not in control, but we never were in control. That there's so much in our world around us that is going on that we have no control of. And so... Uh, our call as Christians is to, to stop putting control in our own hands but keep trusting Christ. Keep trusting Him and walking with Him. And so can I encourage you to kind of go through the, the booklets this week of keep trusting Him, keep leaning into Him and in the midst of the difficulty, keep saying, God, I, I want to hear your voice. I want to be empowered by your Spirit. Help me and lead me.